Today's reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 to 30. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. It was about six and a half years ago that we were living in Vancouver, Canada, and we were coming sort of to the final year of living overseas. Um, is that the right amount? Yeah, that's the right amount of years. Suddenly I was thinking, is that the right amount of years I'm telling you? And we became aware through some friends who were also Australian and living over in Vancouver where we were living that um, that in Canada, if you had private health insurance, which we had to have because we were overseas, um, I was an overseas student and Charlie was an overseas worker, um, you could get laser eye surgery for pretty much next to nothing. So Charlie and I back then both wore glasses and I had a, quite a strong prescription. He had sort of a mild prescription. But we wore, wore glasses um, all day and um, had to wear them for, um, for all different reasons. And so we found out about uh, getting laser eye surgery and went through a process of, of looking into it and, um, and researching the best options. And, and we went ahead and decided we were going to get this surgery. Now, I, being the very sacrificial wife that I am, said, well, why don't you get it first so that, you know, if anything goes wrong, we can always pull out. So Charlie, being the amazing guy that he is, um, he had it and, and it went really well. And, um, and I had it too. Um, and, you know, one of the things you experience after you have a surgery, the first, about, you know, 12 hours after it or so, is everything is quite blotchy and vague. Um, and and you're, you're supposed to actually try and keep your eyes closed as much as you can in that initial number of hours. Kind of reminds me like the blind man in the story who says to Jesus, I see people, they look like trees walking around. 
And that's kind of what it's like after you have this surgery initially, of course. Um, but after the, the recovery and the, the right things that happen and, and you take care of yourself and make sure you don't go out in you know, the wind and things like that, it's totally life-changing to not have to wear glasses. And, um, and it, it's, it's just a game-changer in terms of you know, your occupational... Um, you're so used to ha having glasses with you everywhere and needing to clean them and... Um, as a girl, I'm not sure if any other girls in the room feel like this, but, you know, with working out what outfit works with your glasses and what hairstyles and all of those things. But um, I sort of became a bit like a laser eye surgery evangelist. I wanted other people to know about this and I wanted other people to take up the opportunity to have it because um, it wasn't super expensive, I think, like it is here in Melbourne. It's, it's fairly pricey. This passage in Mark's Gospel that we're looking at today marks a new section in the biography that Mark is writing about Jesus. Now, of course, we know Mark wasn't writing in chapters and verses. Um, those came later. But this passage where Jesus records, uh, sorry, where Mark records Jesus healing the blind man is a new section in Mark's Gospel account. It's not the first uh, recording of the healing of a blind man. Um, we looked in Mark 7 at the account of Jesus um, healing a man in, um, in 731 and following. But in both accounts, um, there's some similarities. The people bring needy, the needy person to Jesus. Um, and in both stories, they ask Jesus to touch the person. But this passage um, in Mark 8, 22 and, and, and following, it's marking a, a new, kind of a new era in, in the ministry of Jesus as we're reading about it according to Mark. Um, and, and it really, things begin to really heat up and hot up from this point. Our sermon series for Mark is The Crown and the Cross. And what we see in the first half of Mark, the 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark, is, is really this idea of the crown, the kingship of Jesus. Because what, what Mark puts on display for us is the power of Jesus. And we see so many miracles and mighty deeds. And the crowds are amazed constantly. There's this refrain that the crowds were astonished and amazed. But as we head into the second half of Mark's gospel, it's kind of like we move from the crown to the cross because the second half of Mark's gospel, the focus is so much on this final week of Jesus' life, of, of the Passion Week, the week where Jesus is going to approach the cross and the crucifixion. And so this is kind of the turning point in Mark where things become really real, things become really serious. And there's this section in Mark, and it's called, if you're interested in, um, you know, Bible terms, an inclusio. And basically that means it's like there's a bracketed, um, a bracketed section in Mark's gospel. And it starts with this story, the healing of the blind man. And it ends with another healing of a blind man, Bartimaeus, and that's in Mark 10. And Mark's very clever the way he writes his gospel because he leaves these hints around, you know, allowing the reader to understand what might be going on. And if we can pick those hints up, we can get a sense of what Mark's trying to communicate about Jesus through his biography. 
Because three times in this section, this section between Mark 8, we're looking at today, and the, and the story of blind Bartimaeus and his healing, Jesus is going to predict his death. He's going to predict his death, which he hasn't done before in this account. And the disciples are going to be slow to get it. Now, there's nothing new there. We've already seen in Mark's Gospel, and, and in fact, as you read the other Gospels, the disciples are slow to get it. But Jesus is all about continuing to show who he is, continuing to truthfully reveal who he is through his mighty deeds and actions and his words. Now, if you were here last week to hear Andrew Menzies preach, um, it was a fantastic week. Make sure you check it out on the podcast if you did miss last Sunday. But Andrew asked the questions first up. He said, what word would you choose, a word to summarise the whole Bible, the story and the message of the whole Bible? And a number of us had a go and we shared our words and Andrew said, they're all fantastic words. The word that I choose, he said, is shalom or shalom. And it basically means wholeness and peace and, and, and restoration and bringing um, you know, wholeness to something that is broken. I thought that was a fantastic exercise. It's a fantastic thing to sit back and go, well, what is the story of the Bible in one word? It's such a great thing to think through. And it is the story of the Bible, isn't it? Restoration, wholeness, shallow, peace. God bringing healing where we were broken. God bringing forgiveness where we were sinful and had fallen short. And this story here in Mark's Gospel is one of shalom bringing, restoration bringing, wholeness bringing to a man who had been blind. Um, it's an incredible story. It's a really raw story. It's actually one of our Zoe's favourite stories. And she's only just recently started saying mud, Instead of mug, she was saying mug um, instead of the word mud, M-U-D. Um, and, and in our children's Bible, which we read her at night, you know, there's this amazing graphic of Jesus, you know, getting mud and, you know, spitting on it. And, and so the idea of actually um, the rawness of what Jesus does in his healings is just so real for us. Um, in this passage... Um, Mark records that, that when Jesus had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. He could be, you know, perhaps under the influence of something here. You know, the fact that he's saying, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Perhaps he's had too many antibiotics, which is what I've had this week in my system. I'm not sure how you guys are going, but it feels like everybody's sick at the moment. <laughs> um, I'm included in that party this week. Um, but Jesus is all about restoration. Here is yet another story, a human story, an intimate story of how Jesus is on about restoration. I love how Andrew shared in his message last week that Jesus is all about compassion. And he said, if you've lost compassion, you've lost Jesus. I thought, wow, what a great challenge to us. You know, it's so easy to sort of harden your heart sometimes, isn't it, towards people in need or people in situations that perhaps are very different to our own. But if you've lost compassion, you've lost Jesus. I think that's so true to the Jesus that we see as revealed 
here in the word, in the Gospel of Mark. Because Jesus took time to be with people, didn't he? He took time to to show compassion to people who were not popular, who were not at the centre of the party. And here is yet another story where we see Jesus' compassion up close. But this miracle story is kind of a parable as well. The religious leaders of the day, we know, and we've talked about this through the series, there's this thread through the Gospel of Mark where the religious leaders of the day continue to fail to see, to see who Jesus is and what the kingdom is actually about. And the disciples and the religious leaders continue to miss the mark and kind of miss the boat and not get it and, and just not get their heads around who Jesus is and what he's about. And so this passage in Mark that we've read today is certainly a healing story. It's a miracle story. But it's also a teaching um, avenue for Mark as he records Jesus um, and what he does and what he says. And through this scripture, I believe that God's word to us, just like God's word to the disciples and the religious leaders, is Will we see who Jesus really is? Or will we be blind to his identity? Will we be perhaps short-sighted or long-sighted to who Jesus really is and what it means to follow Jesus? In this passage in Mark 8, we read um, a little later on, we're going to be reading this um, in the next week or two, um, that he spoke... So, sorry, I should read back a little bit. Um, If we read Mark 8, um, uh, Mark records here, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Here's Jesus starting to talk about his death for the first time. He spoke plainly about this. So he's, he's speaking clearly about, you know, I'm going to die, I'm going to suffer. And this is what happens. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. This is Mark 8, 32. Began to rebuke Jesus. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. They're quite famous words. Many of us will know that passage. You see, Jesus um, is revealing who he is. And the reactions are all different. But, but many of the reactions that Jesus is going to get here are people that are resistant to the truth of who he is and, and the kind of king that he is and the kind of kingship that he's going to reign with, which is one of surrender and death and giving himself. Um, so different to the kind of king that many people expected Jesus to be. But just, and so I think this passage can be a warning. It's a warning to us to to get into who Jesus is, to come back to it, to not think, yeah, I've read the Bible, I know who Jesus is, but actually let's be in the Gospels constantly. Let's, like Phil was saying with your Bible reading plan, getting into the Gospels all the time, just keeping on refreshing ourselves. Who is this Jesus that we follow? Who is this Jesus who is our King? We want to know him and we want to be like him. And so it's a bit of a warning to us to, to, to not be blind to who Jesus is, to not fail to see the kind of king that he is. 
But I believe it's also an invitation to us. It's an invitation to a journey. And it's, it's, this passage, I think, speaks to us about the gradual nature of the journey of faith. Faith is a gradual unfolding and a gradual journey of maturing um, and, and realising more and more about who God is. Just like the healing of the blind man here was gradual, it was a two-part healing, if you like. Now, I, since I was a young person, have always wondered about this passage. Why was it a two-part healing? It, it seems to take Jesus two attempts for this healing to be fully complete. I've always been curious about this. If you didn't catch it um, earlier in the Bible reading, um, Jesus says um, he spits on the he, he spits on the man's eyes, put his hands on him, and says, "Do you see anything?" And the guy says, "Oh, I see. You know, people they look like trees walking around. Seems like this healing isn't isn't working, isn't going to plan." But Mark records for us, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And so we can see here Jesus' power on display, and yet there's this interesting and curious two-part nature of the healing here in Mark 8. It's not as if Jesus couldn't or didn't have the ability to restore this man's sight like that. But I believe this passage is an encouragement to us. It's an encouragement about the the gradual nature of the journey of discipleship. And it's it's an encouragement to us too when we pray for healing. Back in our time in Vancouver, um, I went up to receive prayer from our prayer ministry team early in our time in that new church. And one thing I noticed quickly was that you would go up to receive prayer from the two prayer ministry team and after praying for you, they would say, do you notice anything different? And I I hadn't come across this before. I thought, that's really tangible. What a tangible way to actually check in and see, well, has this prayer, you know, powerfully changed one's situation? And it's something that we now include in our own prayer ministry team um, training, is to check in with the person, you know, do you notice anything? Has something shifted? Has something changed? And that's something that, you know, you may have um, been asked perhaps when you've come to receive prayer. It's a fantastic way to actually be encouraged by the power of prayer because often as someone prays for you, you do notice a difference. Something changes, perhaps something Physical is alleviated. Perhaps a sense of peace around that situation comes that that wasn't there before. This was Jesus' approach, and and so why wouldn't we do the same? I think the um, the amazing encouragement from this passage, certainly for me this week, has been that there is room for all of us on the discipleship journey. Wherever you are at on the discipleship journey, right at the beginning or perhaps you feel like you're really seasoned, there is room for all of us. We want to be a church where people at any stage of their spiritual journey can come and encounter Jesus. That's on our mission statement. That's how important it is to us. It's printed on your Willie Church News today for the first time on the top. Um, Who we want to be is a church where people from 
all walks of life can come and encounter Jesus. A church where your workmate who you bring along can come and wherever they are on the spiritual journey and they can come and join in and, and find out more. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean that they have to believe, you know, it doesn't mean that they have to sign anything. There's just that invitation that we want to be a church where people from all places and in all places on the spiritual journey can come and find Jesus and meet Jesus. On Thursday and Friday of last week, I was part of the annual Church of Christ Victoria and Tasmania Summit, which is like a big conference that happens every year in May. And um, on the Thursday, Tiffany was also able to come, which was fantastic. And I was there on the Friday as well. It was such an encouraging couple of days. And to hear what God is doing in the, the churches around Melbourne and Victoria and Tasmania, for me, is super encouraging as someone who's leading you in this place and, and seeking to be a leader in this community and in this church. To hear stories of how God is stirring in churches, how God is encouraging churches to be on mission with him, for me, is really um, uplifting and gives me a lot of, I guess, a sense of excitement about how God is moving here and what God has yet to do here. Just as a way of grounding this passage for today, I just want to share a couple of little highlights with you of things that people shared. I was so encouraged by uh, Simon, who's the minister at uh, Horsham Community Church Christ. Anyone been to Horsham? Well, I've driven through Horsham. <laughs> a lot of people um, say to Simon, this minister, oh, people know the church because they drive through Horsham on the way to you know, somewhere else and um, they would know the church. But that church has recently relocated to a different spot in Horsham and they've built a really purpose-built community hub. It's not just a church. It's a community hub, basically like a community centre, where that church is seeking to, to not create all of, a whole suite of new programs for their community, but be a place, a venue for the community to come and meet in that, in that place. It, there wasn't really another such facility. And so that church saw a need and said, let's create a place, a facility where people can meet together and be like a hub for activity in that uh, regional town, which is just so fantastic. I just love a church saying, what are the needs in our community? Let's meet that need and let's be that um, solution in our community. I loved hearing from the Baronia team. We had Laura Young preach here a month or two ago. Um, Laura's part of that team. I loved hearing them share how they are looking at their community around them and saying, we want our community to flourish. What are the needs in our community that we can meet? Um, they're looking at things to do with single mothers who are feeling disconnected. They're looking at things to do with um, helping families navigate social media and um, cyberbullying and stuff like that, which you know, is something that we can think, think through as well. Um, I was really encouraged and challenged as well by the, one of the keynote speakers. His name's Mark Connor. He's been a leader at City Life, which is a really big, one of the biggest churches in Melbourne. Um, and he said this, this line that I've heard before, but it kind of spoke to me afresh. He said, if our church was to up and leave our community, what would people notice? Or would people notice? That challenging thought of, you know, what would it look like if we were not to be here? 
um, what would the effect be? And it's just, it's actually, it's a little bit kind of confronting, but it's also a really great invitation for us to think through, God has got us here, Williamstown Church of Christ, to be his blessing, to bring his restoration, um, to bring healing and hope into this neighbourhood and beyond. And, and there's a purpose here that God's got for us. Um, and so I was really encouraged by that. And I hope that encourages you too. Because what Jesus is on about here in this passage is bringing transformation to someone's life, but also showing who he is. He's the kind of king who has compassion, who, who has power to offer, and who seeks to bring um, renewal to somebody's life. Um, but also he's the kind of king that, you know, it's easy for us to miss things, just like I think what is communicated in this passage is that idea of we can miss who he is. We can be like half, half seeing but half not. And so the call to us, church, is let's be a people who look at God's word daily, who come back time and time again to the Gospels and, and these accounts of Jesus and seek to really be people who are shaped by the word of God, which we've been singing about this morning. We as a church exist not just for ourselves, we exist for the discipleship of one another, but we exist even more so to make disciples, to make followers, make apprentices of Jesus. And so if we are existing just for ourselves, then that's only half the picture. We want to be a church that's seeking the, the flourishing and the wholeness of people that you work with, people that you, you know, play sport with, people that we see at Coles or you know, see down the road at the cafe. And we want to be a church that is really continuing to unpack what that means um, as we move forward, especially in this time as well of transition. We don't want to drop the ball. We want to be um, on our front foot, always seeking God. What have you got next? What is the church you're calling us to be? We're going to be unpacking this passage a little bit deeper in conversations next week at Brunch Church, which is going to be fantastic. Next week's the Queen's birthday weekend, and we often love to have Brunch Church over our long weekends. So really encourage you um, this week, um, get back into the Gospels. If you haven't been in the Gospels, you know, I often think even just reading one little passage a day in any of the Gospels is just such a fantastic way to ground ourselves again in who Jesus is and, and to have a sense of intimacy with this Jesus, this King that we follow um, by reading something around who he is and what he's done. I want to just lead us in a time of prayer now. So why don't you just perhaps change position or um, reshuffle in your chair you know, as a way of um, yeah, just being ready to, to receive what God has. And I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer. I'm actually just going to listen for a few minutes just um, to, to God and we're going to each of us, just invite each of us to listen to God. Perhaps some things that he's spoken this morning that perhaps he wants to draw our attention to. Might have been just a line or, or, or just something from this passage that seems to have impacted. But God, now we just open ourselves in prayer to you. Just right where we are. God, we just invite you to, to speak. We invite you to, to highlight, kind of like a highlighter pen, the, the truths 
or the, the takeaway that you want us to, to be, um, yeah, just to really be mindful of and, and to take into our week. Jesus, we want to follow you with our whole lives. We want to be people who mirror your love and your compassion to the people around us, people that we hang out with during the week, people we work with, um, the people that we socialise with and friends of ours. We want to be like you, Jesus, so that those people around us will have a glimpse of who you are will perhaps be led to, to ask questions and, and to ask us about our faith and, and ask us why we believe in God. Jesus, we want to be a church that is all about your mission. Um, that We want to be a church that doesn't just exist to, to you know, see one another mature in you. That is for sure a central part of who we are, but Jesus, we exist for the sake of the blessing of our community. We exist that your good news will go out and encounter our neighbours, encounter the people that work here in Williamstown, encounter the, the people that we do life with during the week. And Jesus, we know that your love and the good news of who you are transforms and changes and it's transformed and changed us, hallelujah, and we want that same transformation for um, the community around us. And so we ask as we head out into our week that you would empower us by your spirit to be people of good news, to be people who, like Jesus in this passage, bring transformation, bring shalom and healing and restoration and wholeness. We thank you, God, for the way you've spoken this morning. And I pray that you would really firmly uh, plant the, the truth of your word in us this week as we seek to be your people, people of peace and compassion and hope and, and love this week. Help us to be people of your word this week. Um, just draw us back into you know, spiritual practices of, of scripture reading and prayer, God, especially if we felt, you know, discouraged or we felt, you know, we've kind of fallen off things. We just pray that you would just gently draw us back to your word, draw us back into um, practices which help us uh, connect with you and awaken us to who we are in you. Yeah, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you that it's so powerful to speak and to change 
Um, thank you so much that we can rely, Jesus, on the Bible as the source of all truth about who you are and that we can lean on the Bible all the time as we seek to, to be fashioned by your truth. Thank you. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.